Welcome to 217faith.church, the church that fits your schedule. Thanksgiving is a time to give thanks, right? But thanks for what? Usually in the secular settings, folks express uh, their thanks for the things they're most grateful for, right? In our Christian faith, Thanksgiving sets us apart uh, from on a path, if you will, of gratitude and anticipation for the awaited promise of God, of our Savior, of course, in the form of the baby Jesus. Gratitude, as it turns out, is a crucial part of the Christian faith. In fact, being ungrateful is not a good thing. I believe that God hates ingratitude because being ungrateful is quite damaging to the spiritual and this uh, trust development with Him. And, and yes, while hate that sounds like a bit of a strong word, it is true that throughout Scripture, when God's people have been ungrateful, it has not gone well for them. But how can a God of love punish people? Boy, well, it is not His doing, but it's always brought upon by the behavior of His created beings. Just because God is love and He showers us with His blessings doesn't mean that we can treat Him with content or disregard or disbelief. There are always consequences to our actions. Now, do not misunderstand me here. God is prepared for our ingratitude. It does not catch Him by surprise. He knows our hearts. Reminds me of the story of the ten lepers. Have you read it? When only one actually came back to give thanks and praise God because he was healed. We must take time to recognize what it is that God is doing in our lives and give him thanks for it. Sure, it disappoints him when we don't. But he knows. Well, if he knows, Moy, then uh, what choice do I have in the matter? My friends, we always have a voice. We always have a choice to say thank you. A choice, a voice not to sin. A choice to be a better person. Just because God may know we might not show gratitude in a particular time or situation does not mean we don't give up on, on ever having the present occasion for us to give us thanks, to do the right things. It's on us. The choice is ours. In the origins of the Thanksgiving holiday here in America, uh, those who had first settled in the land from New England, after suffering a bit of a lean harvest, were grateful when those who had now lived in the land for some time came and shared provisions of food with them. They spent some time together, history tells us, in, in fellowship and time, uh, uh, you know, just being thankful. It's a wonderful imagery that is, right? Now, officially, when the United States was formed, a day of Thanksgiving was declared, but it wasn't until the days of Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War. The Lincoln proclaimed a national day of Thanksgiving. And then finally, in 1941, the U.S. Congress issued a proclamation designating the fourth Thursday of November as Thanksgiving Day. Now, remember, no matter how much the secular world uh, tries to deny it, Thanksgiving Day comes from and continues to be a celebration in this country and in the country of Canada that comes as a direct relationship between its inhabitants and their faith in God. Therefore, Thanksgiving Day is not just about being thankful for our families, our jobs. Those are good things. But at its core, it is about being thankful for God's provision, His guidance, and His daily help in our lives whether you see it that way or not. Now, studies have shown us that being thankful can have a multitude of mental and physical benefits, from enhancing our moods to improving our immunity. 
Gratitude can decrease or help to decrease anxiety, depression, chronic pain, and even the risk of other diseases. Now, we all know that if gratitude came in the form of a pill, we would probably all be taking it every morning. Yet gratitude is an intentional response of the human heart. Regardless of what we may be going through, it is a choice to be grateful or not. A choice that we must make every day of our lives. In fact, the, the Apostle Paul reminds the church in Philippi not to be anxious about anything, but instead in every situation, he says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In the scriptures, we hear plenty on this topic. And in our passage for today, we want to see the Apostle Paul again share yet another roadmap that the children of God must travel in order to achieve not only contentment, but satisfaction in their faithful walk with God. To the letter that he writes uh, to the church in Thessalonica, he writes there to another Christian church that was established by Paul during his missionary trips in, in what's called uh, in what's modern day Greece this day. The young church there experienced persecution. Therefore, Paul wrote to them to encourage their faithfulness to God. No greater thing to make us fall away with our, from our faith than when we feel persecuted. And Paul addresses here how they should respond to such attacks by showing love and grace and generosity. Ultimately, to live in the hope that the kingdom of God was at hand. It was in them already, right? And, and all those attitudes, of course, they flow out of a grateful heart. Here's a quick overview as Paul begins uh, this letter by speaking of his thankfulness for the church that he's writing to, right? He is reminding them of the purpose of the follower of Jesus is to please God and no one else. A life that is dedicated to God as we offer our bodies as living sacrifices to Him, rather than giving into our sinful desires or the pervasive uh, influences of the world around us. At the end of his letter, Paul encourages the young church to take care of each other. And, to, and he grants these guidelines as to how we ought to teach each other as members of the body of Christ. Ultimately, bringing us, or, or we arrive at the passage that is tucked away there at the end of his first letter in 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 5. And we want to read that together now, starting in verse 12. So follow along with me here. Paul says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard amongst you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regards in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, he says, brothers and sisters, to warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. And be patient with everyone. Verse 15, make sure that and nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always pursue what is good for each other and for everyone else. Verse 16, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit, do not uh, thread on prophecies with or treat them with content, but test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. Verse 23, may God himself, he says, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. 
And Paul says, and he will do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ may be with you. Indeed, may God grant us wisdom as we study his word together today. This letter is truly full of wonderful Christian teachings uh, meant to encourage and build us in the church. In, in his closing statements, Paul outlines how we as members of the body of Christ must interact with one another, right? And here's what he simply says. He says, acknowledge those who work hard amongst you. Who's he talking about? We know that not everyone works in a church setting. A lot of people just come and sit. But those who do, we should encourage, whether it is our pastors, our ministers, our folks that help around the church, especially those who give of themselves to the ministry of God and His Word. It reminds me of, of the Christmas joke that I'm sure uh, we can all relate to. It says, uh, uh, you know, my work office is like, uh, it's like Christmas lights. We're all stuck together, but some don't work, and worse, some are not as bright as the others. <laughs> a little silly, but I think we all get the point. Paul continues, live in peace with one another. You see, Jesus himself called us to be peacemakers. This is a hard one because we always want to be right. Yet to be grateful for the people God brings into our lives, that you may treat them with love and seek to build them up peacefully, is to be Christ-like to them. Next, Paul says, do not pay wrong for wrong. Now, of course, we know, I know this from experience. This is only going to produce a momentary satisfaction that quickly fades away to emptiness. Get your pound of flesh, some may say, or make sure that they get exactly what they deserve for what they did to me. It's nonsense. Instead, forgive as Christ forgave you. Even if they don't forgive you or continue to wrong you, you stop the cycle of evil and leave it with the Lord. Pursue to do what is good, says Paul, for one another. Now, this is an intentional act on our part, right? To reflect the goodness of God in our words and in our actions. Goodness, which is a fruit that the indwelling Holy Spirit produces in the life of the follower of Jesus. Paul then says, warn those who are idle and disruptive. You see, he's talking about people in the church. There's no such thing as an idle believer. We are all called to share God's word, His grace, and to work for the benefit of the body, whether you've been doing it for 50 years or you just started today. Encourage the disheartened, says Paul. I'm inspired by this verse personally as I deal with, with my own spiritual struggles. The enemy attacks us all in different ways, and not all of us always respond as we should. Therefore, we have to support one another, sharpen each other's faith, and hope together as we wait for God's perfect timing. I work on this one daily, I guarantee you. Help the weak, says Paul. Now this refers to the weak of those unable to care for themselves, let's say due to disease or any other impairment. True faith in action here when we help those cannot, that cannot help themselves. Be patient with everyone. Now this is a rough one, right? But nonetheless, it is a requirement of the believer. Patience, after all, is another fruit of the Holy Spirit of God that will produce in the life of the follower of Jesus. You see, often God may allow situations in our lives that will allow us to practice patience, no matter how difficult a uh, situation may seem. Always trust in God's plan and practice patience above all. This one takes work. Then, of course, we arrive at our passage of Scripture that I'd like for us to land on today. The verse is starting there in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. 
three simple basic centers, sentences. Suppose that we want to develop a grateful attitude, which I do, I hope you do. In that case, we must, without hesitation, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, let's break each one of these statements down in a practical knowledge, starting with, what does it mean to rejoice always? In the original Greek, it is an action word, meaning to be cheerful regardless of the situation. There's plenty uh, that, that takes place in our lives that can drive us in, in the opposite direction, right? And make us feel helpless and perhaps even distressed. Yet because of the hope of Christ in our lives, we ought to be cheerful people. Seek to understand how we may feed hope in our lives that joy may follow. A couple of more fruit to the Spirit, by the way. If people know that we are followers of Jesus, but we're just walking around with our heads down, depressed all the time, sad, how does that testify to the work of grace that God is performing in our lives? We are the keepers of God's joy, and in our lives, we must reflect such gladness. Ask God to indeed grant you a spirit of joy, of gladness, and that His hope may be evident in your life, in your interactions with others. Friends, even in our trials, the Apostle James wrote, Consider them an occasion for joy, for we know the testing of our faith produces endurance, and this endurance will lead us to spiritual maturity, where we will want and lack nothing. James 1, 2-4. Now, I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. Trials are, by definition, challenging. Yet we learn to look ahead and hold on to the promises of God yet to come. Then we can experience true divine joy. Well, more you know, I don't feel like being cheerful today. As I list a, a long list of reasons as to why, and while life may have lost its joy, friends, this call to cheerfulness is not based on our circumstances, but on our relationship with Jesus, the one who did what was necessary to restore us to the image of God. That alone should cause us great rejoicing. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. As we rejoice our hope in our hope in Christ, this will naturally lead us to pray and to do so continually. Now, note that I haven't said the word happy until now. Happiness is fleeting, and it can be affected by our circumstances. We're talking about joy and the consequences of the, the, how it brings gratitude as we learn to trust in God's plan, a plan we learn to follow as we seek Him daily. What does Paul then mean to pray continually? To seek God daily. I believe this has to do with our attitude and developing this attitude of gratitude. You think when you're thankful for something or for someone that they may have done for you, you want to continually express your gratitude to them, don't you? Of course you do. This is no different. Prayer is how we communicate with our Father above and how we reflect a heartfelt gratitude. As we do, we can be grateful as well for each other and the influence, the positive influence that we can have on one another. You see, prayer is but a, a supplication, an earnest request made either for ourselves or on behalf of someone else. It is an appeal to, to beseech someone, to implore, to solicit. Prayer, prayer is not just about us bringing God a daily to-do list that we expect Him to fulfill by the end of the day. Remember, 
we start or must start from a place of rejoicing, cheerfulness, and gratitude. And then as we seek to enter the presence of God and bring our request to Him. To pray without ceasing also means uninterrupted. I believe that God often wakes me up at odd hours of the night, and I've learned to pray. Most of the sermons that God grants me to preach are written at these very early hours of the day. And I, I do worry sometime whether or not I'm going to have enough rest so that I can make it through the day. Yet God has not let me down, and I don't expect that He will. Sure, often the occasional nap on the couch after getting home from work ensues, but that's part of the fun, right? I mean, who, who thinks a pre-dinner nap is a bad thing? I don't think anybody would, especially as you begin to get a little older. When we do the things that please God, meaning when we are obedient to His calling and guiding in our lives, like seeking Him in prayer, He grants us what we need, even if it means physical rest. Without ceasing, my friends, also carries this meaning of not leaving anything out. Praying without omission. This is a powerful word that reminds us to come clean with God, not hold anything back. Trust Him with every single request. Pray for that sin you committed the other day, or, or when your eyes wandered, or when you doubted. Even if you have already prayed about it, if it comes to mind, offer it to God as a sacrifice, as a prayer. When you run out of things that then that you did or things that you failed to do, then move on to your family members, to people, to folks you run around in the supermarket, over on the streets. Pray for them. Seek God's blessing on their lives. Your children, your family, your friends, co-workers, anyone. Shoot, pray for me. Pray for us. Uh, as you may be listening, uh, I welcome it. I need it. I, I'd be grateful for your prayerful support. Jesus told us to ask in prayer and believe that, that we will receive it. That's amazing faith. It will be ours. Paul says that when we are feeling anxious, we should bring our requests to the Lord with thanksgiving and prayer. God tells us that when we seek Him with all of our hearts, that is through our prayers, that He will be found. And so, Father, let us experience your closeness as we approach your throne of grace, even through this time. For the Lord is far from the wicked, says the Scripture, but He hears the prayers of the righteous. For even when we do not know what we ought to pray for, God promises that the Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf. What a beautiful passage. Praying continually, you see, it's not all about us. But it's also about the intercessions of prayers for others. Who is God placing in your heart right now? Stop this video and indeed lift a prayer right now for them. Last, of course, but not least, Paul calls us to give thanks in every situation, right? We, we just went through our Thanksgiving holiday. And for this, God's purpose for us in Christ Jesus, right? Did you hear that? It will give thanks because it is God's purpose that we be grateful in our life. The old hymn reminds us to count our blessings, to name them one by one, and it will surprise us what the Lord has done. Do that. Write down everything that the Lord has done for you and through you. No matter how small it may seem, you will enjoy seeing His hand upon your life, His gracious hand. Again, all of this comes back to our development of an attitude of gratitude. It is so easy to complain or to be pessimistic and always think things will never get any better. 
Yet the choice to be optimistic, to trust in God's plan rather than our own strength will prove more fruitful in our lives. Why is it that two people can look at, half, at a half-filled glass and one proclaim that it's half-empty and the other insist that it's half-full? It's all perceptions, right? And it is about our ability to be grateful and to express it. They both have the same amount, yet the glass is not half empty. It truly is half full, and we should be thankful for the half that we have already enjoyed. There are many books out there on the power of positive thinking, and that is because we are what we think. If we live in perpetual sadness, that is who we are. We will be sad, depressed, and defeated. I know that feeling. But if we continue to seek the joy of the Lord, then this is who we will be, hopeful and glad and happy and optimistic about life, regardless of what we may be going through. The world will still think us crazy, especially as they see us uh, in our trials and struggles. But this will be our testimony that despite what we may be going through in our lives, we will give thanks to God. Jesus did. Even as he was being led to be crucified, he never stopped thanking God and being grateful for his presence in his life. All these steps, my friends, are action words, meaning we must do them. Not just sit back and hope for the best, but we have to rejoice. We have to pray. We have to give thanks. I know that the human heart loves to despair and turn small clouds into storms or tiny mounts into the tallest mountains. We must guard our hearts as we seek this attitude of gratitude for what Christ has done for us. And Paul, the writer, warns the church in Thessalonica and us as well about what can happen, how we can damage this. In fact, he says, do not quench the spirit. Meaning to extinguish as you might put out a fire, but seek to build that spiritual enthusiasm in your life and deny the things that hinder his work and grace in you. Things like being ungrateful. Think about it. When others show ingratitude to you, are you overcome with an overabundant desire to keep on blessing them? Probably not. This is why gratitude is crucial for us as followers of Jesus as well. Paul says, do not treat prophecy with content, meaning the word of God. Do not dismiss it. Do not forsake it. But seek to apply it in every aspect of your life. Follow it. All of it. And never just pick and choose verses merely here to validate whatever point of view you may have. God's view. That's all that matters. His word is all that we have. If God speaks into your life through a sermon or a song or even a stranger on the street, seek to understand his perfect will and be thankful for his message of hope in whatever form it is that it came to you. Next, Paul says, hold on to what is good. You see, evil tends to make us feel good, physiologically speaking. And what is truly good about often comes across as difficult. So we give up on the really good stuff. But God is good. His word testifies as much. We experience as much in our lives. And we must make every effort to focus on him above all things and to seek his goodness rather than the alternative. To focus above leads us into an eternal life with our creator and not an eternal separation from the same. The choice is ours. And finally, Paul says, reject what is evil. And of course, this carries meaning of holding oneself off and exercising self-control. 
yet another fruit of the Holy Spirit that, that the Spirit develops in the life of the follower of Jesus. The Apostle James once again reminds us that if we submit ourselves to the purpose of God, this will grant us the strength to resist the devil, draw near to God, and as a result, the devil will flee from us. Don't you want that? Oh boy, don't I. Don't I. No wonder Jesus taught us to pray not to be led into temptation, but to be delivered from evil. This is an ever-present struggle in the life of the child of God. But one that God promises to help us with. For the very God of peace will save us and preserve us until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how Paul completes his letter. In the world we live in, evil has become acceptable. And that which was good has become despised. Things like true love and virtue and, and, and charity and faith. Our job as the church is never to become complacent about sinful behavior, but to take a stand to the righteousness of God, no matter what it may cost us. We are to be a light that shines in the darkness of the world and bring the hope of God to a lost and depraved world. No, it is not something we will accomplish on our own, but it is what God will do for us and through us. After all, Paul reminds us, at the end of his letter by saying, God himself will sanctify us, meaning to make us holy, to separate us for his purpose, to grant us hope and a grateful heart. It is he, says Paul, who will keep us blameless. After all, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Walk in his way, live as he leads, and please him with all your words and deeds. Because of his faithfulness, says Paul, he will fulfill all things in us, as His grace becomes evident in us. God will do this because of who He is, a gracious God. We tend to complicate things when we do not understand them. We give into despair and push hope away when it serves our purpose of denying the, the ministry of presence that God brings into our lives. We'll talk a little bit more about this uh, in, in next week, in a couple of weeks. Yet by simply developing an attitude of gratitude, becoming a cheerful person, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks to God in all things, we can truly become or come to experience the fullness of God and live our lives according to His will for us. Brand new year. We just celebrated Thanksgiving Day. What a wonderful opportunity to begin being thankful daily for the things God does. But, you know, we're not just talking about finding satisfaction in our lives, but also leading others to the same in their lives. Ultimately, as the church in Thessalonica was experiencing persecution, this is exactly what Paul wanted them to hear. He wanted to encourage them not to give up in their trials, but to push forward in the wonderful hope of Christ. Lord, we proclaim the words of the psalm as we pray. Lead us in your truth. Teach it to us because you are the God who saves us. Put our, as we put our hope in you all of day long. May it be so, Father. Regardless of our situations, may we choose to be cheerful because of the hope that we have in you. May we continually seek you in prayer and worship because you promise to be found as we do. May we learn to give thanks, to have a gleeful heart towards you, our God, our sustainer, our preserver, and our source of all that is good in our lives. Thank you, God, for sending your son to pay the price that I owed. 
Thank you, Father, for taking the time to create me. Despite of me wanting to do what I want, but you seeking to be in a personal relationship with me and doing everything possible to make that happen. Thank you, Lord, for sending your comforter, the Holy Spirit, to guide us and instruct us and produce in us your spiritual characteristics, your fruits. May he help us to produce those attitudes of gratitude in our lives, that we may live according to your promises and your hope, rather than by the despair of this world. May it be so, Father, for we pray these things in the name of Jesus, to the graciousness work of your Holy Spirit in us. Amen. We give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ, His Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ, His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say,
truly grateful to have had you join us in this service and we pray that you will be motivated to put your faith into action in true thanksgiving uh, for the rest of this year and as we go forward right please visit our, our website our ministry website 217faith.church or as you watch us here on youtube or facebook or or twitter or x you know what it's called these days help us to spread the word by liking and sharing and clicking those notifications below uh, it truly helps us to spread god's word you see we are humbled by uh, the ability to preach a message of love and hope and an invitation and, and we ask for your help so join us so that together we can spread god's word of, of hope to a world that surely needs his grace today. And so until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his face to you and grant you peace. Until next time, be assured that God loves you so much. He is faithful and loving. Practice every day being thankful. Practice every day developing an attitude of gratitude, and you will learn every day to have a godly attitude that will paint every other action in your life for His honor and glory. May God bless you.